This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World, the catalog for leveraging agile data governance to power people and data. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with a tasty beverage in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicada, scientist guy here at Data.World. And as always, it is a pleasure to spend the middle of the week, end of the day, and go chat about data, have our honest, no BS chat about data. And today we have a special guest. Uh, and, and this has a little bit of back backstory. So it's Allison Saygraves who is the former CDO at M&T Bank, who's an advisor to startups, who's in guest consultant, and she's also a beekeeper. And first of all, Allison, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, well, I'm in the forest near the hives, so uh, in, in Buffalo, New York. Well, I can see already pretty dark over there. It's still kind of sunny here in Austin, Texas. Uh, so this, the background story is we were, I was at Gartner, and we were, I was at a dinner and we were supposed to sit with people who we did not know. And well, I did not have met Allison and I sat next to her and five minutes in, I'm like, I am so lucky. I sat next to Allison. We had this phenomenal conversation. We ended up karaoke that night also. Uh, um, and, and I think 10 minutes in the conversation, I'm like, you need to be a guest in the podcast. Done. And here we are. So super excited to have you here. Um, so yeah, Very we're going to go down a lot of and that, that was certainly a fun night. I, I have not done karaoke in I don't know how many years. And if my family's listening now, they've, they've heard. So there you go. Your mom's doing karaoke. I got, I got, I got video evidence on that. So uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> if people want, you can go ping me. But all right, well, let's uh, kick this off and uh, tell and toast. So what are we drinking and what are we toasting for? Allison, kick us off. Okay. I am drinking red wine. It is a Washington State red and the reason I'm drinking red wine um, is that uh, this wine was served at my daughter's wedding in May. Um, she's from New York State, so we did. Uh, she did a white wine uh, from New York State, uh, dry Riesling, and her uh, husband is from Washington State. He's my data partner in crime. He may creep into the story at some point. And so um, we did a, a red cab at, at the wedding, uh, Chad. Uh, Whatever. So that's what I'm drinking. And we are toasting the Buffalo Bills who are playing tomorrow. And, you know, this has got to be their year. So to the Buffalo Bills. All right. Tim, how about you? Um, I am drinking a Roberto Roy. Uh, if you're familiar with a Rob Roy, which is a Scotch Manhattan, uh, this is a Roberto Roy. So you switch the um, vermouth to be Punt Imes, which is like a vermouth, but very herbaceous. So tasty little slightly boozy cocktail. Um, and uh, I will uh, toast to um, USA moving forward in the World Cup. So another sports call out. Very excited about that. Uh, well, I'm also I have a, another boozy drink here. It, I looked it up. It's called uh, and to all a good night cocktail. And uh, this is in 
sad honor because Mexico just lost, so they're not going to be around anymore. Um, my, my wife is Mexican, so uh, so this is a bourbon and tequila with orange bitters and Angostura bitters, so also very boozy right now. Uh, but so cheering all for World Cup every four years, it's something that I look forward to, and it's on my entire calendar is all blocked to go watch all the games. Last week, I was waking up at 4 or 5 in the morning to watch games, watching games for eight hours straight, and then uh, started to work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so it's only every four years, so it's fine. So, cheers. Cheers to sports, then. That's what we're doing. Cheers. cheers. All kinds of football. Hmm. So our, our warm-up funny question of the day. So beach, lake, or swimming pool? What's the most swimming fun pool. body of water and why? Swimming pool, because I like to see the bottom, and I don't like to share the water with fish. <laughs> you have a very i like how you had you had that answer right there it's very succinct <laughs> what, what about you Juan? What, what's your choice um i i, I say i used to, it used to be swimming pools just because i mean i, I like they're always there but uh recently i've gotten more into beaches uh my my in-laws the, they live they're they're mexican they live in playa el carmen in cancun so not a bad place uh where i get to just go visit my in-laws in at the beach. So I've got used to the beach more and more. I'm not a big beach person, but I like to sit and sip on a drink on a cocktail margarita on a beer and look at that beautiful ocean for sure. So that beach. Nice. How about you? I, I like the privacy of a swimming pool. If it's like your own swimming pool, but the environment of the beach. So if I can have my own private beach, then that's perfect. <laughs> oh, fancy, man. We got to, we got to work a lot more. We got some work to do. We'll try. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just kick to the top. So, Allison, honest, no BS. How do we get into this pool, into the into the data pool, into this data world without drowning? Well, um, I guess I would just say that having been in this field for a long time, um, really like on the enterprise data management side of it and as a CDO, um, I, I and now kind of advising and so forth, I'm really interested in just getting in and swimming and, and sw while I don't want to swim with fish, I do want to swim with data. Um, so I, I think we just need to make it easier for people. And I'll talk about like, does it need to be everybody or should this be more targeted to just like really just jump in the pool and, and really um, just work with data. We need to figure out how to, how to tone, tune this operating model because um, it, you know, in my experience and in talking to a lot of CDOs and people in this field since I left my role in a few months ago, um, there, there is just kind of this gulf between uh, um, the, the progress we've made in terms of data being available and, and people actually being able to use data to actually derive business value. And I think that um, there's just too much abstraction and people just need to get, I don't want to mix too many metaphors, but we need to get our hands dirty or whatever. We need to play in the water um, so that we can um, just get smarter and evolve. And, and, and that's actually why I've en enlisted my son-in-law to set up a cloud environment and we're going to do some uh swim lessons in 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 the cloud i love that get hands on get your hands dirty yes. that's great so i mean is it just about like the on the business side just getting that fear just jumping in or or is there like what are the barriers that we have to take a while so people can just literally jump in because i i get it i get that there's like oh for you to go swimming you have to do this and that and that like is it about 
barriers that we have to eliminate to make it easier? Or is it just you need more courage and just literally just put your bathing suit in and just get in? Well, yeah, I think I think that um, I think a pool is, is in a way a, a good analogy in the sense that a pool is a controlled environment. Um, I mean, people use the word sandbox, so I guess we'll use the word pool for today. Um, you know, there are lifeguards to make sure that you don't drown. Um, you know, there, there are lanes, there are edges. Uh, it's not it's not too deep. Um, but you have you have freedom to experiment, but within the confines of some parameters, some guardrails, some controls. And I, you know, I I feel like that's kind of what is needed. Uh, at least on the offensive side of data. I mean, there's, you know, from banking, there's a whole defensive side that's a different topic. But um, on the offensive side, where you're really trying to monetize and drive value, um, you, you really need some freedom to experiment. But, with, you know, with, within, with guardrails, boundaries, and, and policies and so forth. So, uh, you know, I would like to be able to um, jump into a pool and know that I uh, am not going to drown. I'm not going to uh, you know, turn an organization upside down, but I, I'm going to have some, uh, I, I'm going to get wet and, and learn and, and, uh, you know, maybe flounder a little bit. And there's a lifeguard there to save me if I do anything really stupid. So I just feel like we need to get people, um, we need to just break this barrier between the people that build things and the people that like think of things and, and just like smush that much closer together because, um, you just can't like, you can't ideate in a, in, like, in a vacuum. You, right. You've got to, you got to be in it to, uh, iterate and to create. And, um, I, I just, you know, I think we're moving toward that. I mean, certainly that's the model that we're moving toward. I think it's just, it's easy, it's way easier said than done. Yeah, I totally agree there. And, and I think one interesting thing is you, you mentioned this, uh, you know, the people who are doing the building and the people that are doing the thinking and how do you get them to work together? Or maybe another way to talk about it is like more of your engineers or your technical folks, your data savvy folks, and then more of your business folks and, you know, folks that aren't as savvy with data. Um, it can be a little easier, I think, sometimes for the tech savvy folks to jump, you know, do their cannonball right into the pool, whereas some of the business folks, they're a little worried maybe part of that's the technology and a lot of that may be just the confusion around terminology and just like you know is there too much bs going on right now in the space where it's like there's there's you know there's mesh there's lakes there's this there's self-service there's you know governance there's all there's the so different much tools going on um like uh is there too much confusion is there too much bs how do we bridge all that yeah, I, th I think there is a lot of confusion, and I think that this is a this industry is is really got a complex. Like nothing's ever good enough. We've never done enough. We've never built enough. We've never whatever enough. And um, we just have to like like give our give people permission to um, to fail to screw up. I know Randy Bean wrote a book, "Fail Fast, Learn Faster." In fact, it's on. It's helping prop up my computer. I've got like several books holding up my computer. That's one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that the, I think it's easy to um, to get lost in the technology. I think we've kind of solved for the technology in a way at this point, and and the tools make it much easier to do things in in an agile kind of way. And now we just need to I think give people more freedom and more access. Um, but I think that. Um, I think I, I, at some point I'd like to talk about, I don't know that that's everybody in an organization because I think that we get 
everything is like overdone in the, in this business. I think we have to find the people that are working on the things that really matter to the organization in terms of like real profitability, focus on those kinds of use cases and start with them and, and get those people uh, in the pool, <laughs> working with data and then having some wins and then expanding from there. We tend to think like, okay, now we've got to train everybody in the organization and it's just, everything becomes overwhelming. We just need to break things down into achievable steps. Right. I mean, if you tie that to something like data literacy or something like that, or, or self-service. So can I read a little bit into what you're saying here? And that like, that doesn't like, maybe people think that means everyone, like everyone needs to be able to do all the things and have access to all the data on all the tools when really sounds like you're saying, Hey, this can be a lot more focused. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, that a, a potential, failure point is that when we when we scope things too large and we do things at an enterprise level i mean you can you can have a plan to take things to an enterprise but i think you need to start like where it counts um so in service industries you know it's probably with a customer in manufacturing industries um you know it's your products and your uh, manufacturing operations and so forth i mean i think you don't need to get everybody swimming at the same pace, like out of the gate. I, I, I would focus on like getting some real, I mean, I'm like overdoing any analogy, which is really embarrassing, but really getting some champion, like true champions um, in domains that really matter to the business um, and that are really going to make a difference to the outcomes of the company and, and the, the strategy of the business. And kind of, I, I think we need to give people a bit of a pass to say, hey, it's okay. We're not going to focus on, you know, on accounts payable. I'm picking an area or we're not going to focus on these other areas because we really need to understand, uh, you know, our customers and we're going to focus on that domain and we're going to start there. I'm not saying everybody has to focus on the customer, but like, I think we need to give people permission to say, uh, to be selective. This is a, a true breath here of an air of honesty, because a lot of the times you, what you start hearing and reading is like, yeah, data literacy, we need to go train everybody. And the point is like, no, and stop it. Like, what are you going to go gain? Okay. Let, again, the magic wand example, magically now everybody gets trained on data. So what? like, what's going to come after that? And I think that's what we need to start picking and like, and, and then, understand where is the where is the money how do we make more money where's the profitability and it's just so annoying that we just focus all on the tech on the data and let's make sure everybody has access to it when we really should be focusing on making sure that we know what we're doing so so we can help drive revenue um so i'm really glad that you're saying this and let's be skeptical let's be and let's be skeptical and 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 challenge sometimes like do we really need to have that data literacy project uh, program for everybody I think that that's a strong statement because a lot of people are like, yes, we do. And I'm like, Maybe or have the same expectations of everyone, that's right? Like everybody needs to be trained on Tableau. Everyone must learn Python, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you want to say, okay, everybody needs to be data literate, um, that's fine. It's just, but to people may have levels and you may need to start in some areas. So I think we need to have permission to change the conversation a little bit um, because I, I, I think that, this industry is just like everybody beats themselves up about everything all the time. I mean, this was a, 
I, I had this thought um, and then I tested it with a bunch of CDOs that I've met at, at Gartner and, and at other events, you know, over the summer and fall. And I would say, hey, you know, oh, I guess I would point out um, from the new Vantage survey that's done every year, the new one's coming out in January. Um, I, this is Randy Bean's company. Um, they say that 75% of people that answer the survey, executives and data, say they're getting value from their data or AI initiatives. Um, but then when they're asked, do you have a data culture? I think it was like 19% or something like ah. that. Data culture. So like, what's that gap between getting value and having a data culture? So I, I think that, and so then I started talking to some CDOs from like, these were fortune 100 companies and they were like apologizing. I mean, you can't, I can't even tell you like who these people were, but like, these are like world known names. Um, and they would be like apologizing for what they had not done. And yet, they had accomplished these incredible things. I'm like, what are we doing wrong that we focus on everything we don't do instead of celebrating, promoting what we do do and leveraging that to gain momentum and gain funding for, for future initiatives. So I, I think there's like a bit of a complex in this industry. Quite so we're, we're seeing great, we're, great comments here. I think I see Kara here says, I completely agree about Allison's comment. Not everyone needs access to all things and know all things. Uh, and then we also have Terry who's saying we need to be focusing on training key data advocates, people who can deliver bite-sized data literacy and competencies to the people that work with, that work with when it's needed. That puts skill acquisition in a perfect position to immediately address the what's in it for me question. So mm -hmm. that last piece, what's in it for me? I, this is something that we just miss completely. And when we just focus on training for the technical stuff, like we miss the big picture. So uh, th this is that transition. And, and, and I'm really curious to see how much we can keep on this analogy of the, of the pool. Let's keep pushing this. So it's like, <laughs> we want to, okay, let's go swim. But not, first of all, not everybody needs to get into the pool, first of all. And second, uh, not everybody needs to be like, swimming laps and knowing how to go do freestyle and butterfly. And some people are going to stay on the, on the shallow end, so people, um, they'll be comfortable there. There's some people who will be very comfortable in the, the deep end. So how are we doing with the, this analogy? Keep, 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 I think keep it's going. good, you know, like dog paddle is okay. Dog paddle is okay. Yeah, but that's this. I'm writing thing. that down. We, we take notes. I'm going to write that one. Yeah, down. dog paddle. Well, okay, write that down. You have to start with dog paddle. I mean, I'm not saying you should live, like you should die only being able to do dog paddle, but like you have to start being able to, to float. Yeah. Well, one topic that's I feel like this is related to that, Allison, we talked about in 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 some of the conversation ahead of time before before our podcast today is this idea of data products. Right. Like do like this concept is becoming very popular now in data circles. Um, and it probably begs more questions than answers, per se. But I know some of the goal there is how do we make it easier and more manageable with with data? And how do we think more about like how people get value from data from all sorts of different technical levels and data literacy levels? Do, do you have a, a, a position on sort of like data products? Is that going to is that going to help with this swimming problem that we're talking about here? Well, I mean, I think the idea of data products is a, is a good idea and it's a proven idea, you know, from software and so forth. Um, so I think it, it's, it's the, it's the way to scale. It's the way to, um, to ultimately, uh, have more, um, more of a system around how you treat data assets and, and get value out of them. I think, I think, 
the kind of what's what I see, what I've now seen in this industry is that we're always looking for like, what's the one thing that's going to make this like all better. And so now we're like data products. It's, we're, we're, it's all going to be solved by data products. And so I've actually been thinking about, and again, I am not anti-data product. I'm actually pro-data product. I think this is the proper direction, but I, I don't think that we've done the work to think about who, like, what does it take to actually think of a, a commercially viable data product? If we actually thought about like, what is the skill set that it takes to think about how you actually come up with such a thing? I, so I think we just assume we're going to name somebody a data product owner and they're going to magically take this data and magically turn it into something commercially viable. And I, I don't think we've really thought through what that entails. And I'm not saying that I have the answer. I'm just saying that I think we need to be um, a little more thoughtful about um, this notion that just proclaiming that we're now going to order organize around data products is suddenly going to solve things. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about, I actually cannot stand the phrase data is the new oil. I really, I hate I when people say things like Doug, Doug Laney agrees very much with me. I hate that. And I hate it when people say software is eating the world. I, I hate like, I can't, I can't stand this stuff. But I do want to use an oil analogy here because I was thinking about this. Oh, I shoot. We lost the pool analogy now. We're going to oil. We're going to oil and then we'll pool. come back to the pool. Just, you can just bear with me on this. That's why I, I'm kind of worried about like all these like analogies. But um, I remember, do you remember when that book, um, the book on oil, the prize, Daniel Jurgen, you guys probably weren't born when this book came out. He, he wrote this book about how oil like determine like the course of humanity and civilization and everything. I, I remember like, okay, so I, I'm going to confess I did not read the book, but I, I read several reviews. So I got the concept and I remember being shocked by the fact that when, you know, Rockefeller created standard oil, um, the consumers for that oil were people that had lamps like, and, oh, by the way, I'm in my cabin. I do have an oil lamp, so I can say I'm an actually consumer of that. <laughs> um, so when you think about like oil, like the market was lamps. Like it was like how many decades le later that the internal combustion, and trust me, I know nothing about freaking engines, but the internal combustion engine was created that ultimately created the market for oil that we know of today. And so I feel like... Um, we need to have a sense of patience around um, what it takes to think of new markets for data um, and patience because it takes work um, to, to invent and to think of new ways of doing things that are fundamentally different uh, from prior eras. Um, patience, but also like urgency around the opportunity that we're presented with. So, um, that's like the tension that I see is that I, I do think this is the right way to organize, but I think we're a little unrealistic um, about that this is just a magic solution because you need the ingenuity. Um, you need somebody to figure out, you need people who can figure out how to actually create products that have real value. And that's, if that were easy, none of us would be working for companies we would all have invented a product and we would all be running our own business and selling our product. 
it's very hard to actually create a product, bring it to market and make money off of it. And so why do we think that suddenly proclaiming we're in the land of data products is a silver bullet? This has been a very profound rant that you have said. Like this, this was very, very important. I think it's um, start. You start by minute twenty-one here. I just want to want people to go make sure they listen to this. The, the what you just said. We need to be patient to think of new ways of doing things, but also have that urgency. That's one very valuable thing to go think about. And then the next thing is like, why do we think building products is such an easy thing? And, and and I would I would argue that I I think it is easy and and Tim let, let's question what we've been doing here like we've been talking a lot about our ABC framework and we state it in a way as if it's like yeah that's kind of what we should do now Tim you have a product background and you do dedicate your career to creating products right so you 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 have that pedigree there but um, I think this is something that sometimes we make it sound so simple yeah it's just our, our ABCs, and this is a framework that Tim and I have been dealing with, is a data products should have accountability, boundaries, contracts and expectations, downstream consumers, and well-defined explicit knowledge. Like we try to simplify it, but we have got to be honest, it's not that easy. Yeah. I mean, the ABCs simplify it and make it easier to talk about. And I think that's why it's one of our popular uh, talks that we give, right? Is that it's trying to simplify something hard. But the honest truth is, you know, I agree with you, Allison, that like, products is hard, right? And so my background is uh, primarily in product management, software product management, right? And the process and the mechanism of building products is hard. And then if that wasn't hard enough, there's this whole aspect of product market fit. You can build a great product and then nobody uses it, right? And so I think that just because to your point, we've come up with this idea in data circles of data products, oh, we've got it, that's the silver bullet. Right. But we don't we don't even know what to do with that silver bullet. What does it mean? Because what does it mean to build those products? What does it mean to manage the life cycle of those products? Juan and I lately have been talking about data marketing. Just because you have a product doesn't mean people are going to use it. You have to market it. You have to enable around it. So I don't know if Allison, if we're uh, as we're ranting here, if we're triggering anything in, in, in your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I do think it's the right way to organize. Um, and there are certain things that um, are natural products in, in any organization that just it, that obviously this makes sense for. Um, I just think the I, the notion that um, proclaiming that we're now organized around data products is suddenly going to be a um, magic pill to like solve monet the monetization and getting value from data issue. Um, I, I don't think that I don't think we'll be successful if we don't like look a little deeper into what it takes to to really get value from data. I just think it's a, it's a, it's not if it were easy, we would have done it at scale across industries. And 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 certainly a lot there are a lot of amazing things are happening in many sectors. Uh, and so not to minimize um, human progress in terms of medicine, uh, energy. I mean, like amazing things are truly happening, but um, I think we have to be realistic about uh, how hard this is. Right. The time it'll take for the value to fully come to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, what needs to change? What do we, what do we need to evolve here? Um, you know, I think that um, we need, we need to have, we, there, there's something about um, the kind of people we put together, um, the kind of environment we create, the kind of um, 
like permission people are given to uh, fail, screw up. So go back to the pool. Okay, this may be like off, whatever. Um, you need to feel comfortable like walking into your in your bathing suit into the pool and not have people judging you. So people need to be comfortable that they can put their suit on, go swimming, and people are not going to say, look at that. Um, so I, I think like there just needs to be a change in, um, and, you know, this gets sort of to culture to, to like make people not be so self-conscious or um, to have a little more like freedom to try things, screw up, try again, uh, work together in new ways. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, it's really, it was really fun the other day when, um, well, I'll say it's fun. My son-in-law may beg to differ, probably begs to differ, but we were at their apartment. He's got like a data center, like one of their bedrooms, I swear it's a data center, but he set up a cloud and we're talking about what data set we're going to pull in. And, um, he's not actually a data engineer. He's can do data engineering tasks, but he is involved in international manufacturing. And I, I just saw like the power of um, being able to have an open and honest conversation with somebody who could go get some data, who I could ask questions of, who could make adjustments. And um, we were like a, we were like a team, like out on the field, like talking about how we're going to like, you know, what's our play going to be. And, and you need to have like that kind of, esprit de corps, uh, optimism, like hustle, wh whatever you want to call it, um, where people have all, are, are feeling like they're part of a team and not they're part of this team working with that team. Um, I, and I think, you know, maybe that's achieved in, in some companies, um, but I, I think that that's, that's what it takes um, is a real hustle factor. Yeah, no, th 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 this, this goes back into culture. I mean, go, like you said something early on that this is uh, the tech. The tech is not really the problem anymore, right? We're, we're right. This has pretty much solved. And uh, I, I, I had this post on LinkedIn, very short. It's like, hey, 80% of the data problems are really people and process. And just 20% are the technology. And guess what? The majority of the people focus on the technology thing and they're doing it wrong. Um, and and, and so I think it's creating this types of uh, these synergies and goes back to remember empathy and curiosity uh, go back to go create that. We're part of a team. I like what you said. We're a team. We're not this team and that team and these teams working together. Like together, we're going to go work at this. And, 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 it, and it's really involved about having different types of skill sets, people, different skill sets working together because they complement each other. And they just, Sadly, in a way, a lot of uh, this is not just one side or the other. I think both, like the tech side and the business side, that they're like, oh, those folks and those folks, and they're like not coming together. And and uh, and sometimes we think, and I, it's like, oh, we need is it a third role that's going to bridge everybody? And maybe that is the case, but also we should be thinking, it's like, no, we need to open ourselves. We need to stop judging. We need to all get into into our bathing suit and like, and we all swim differently, and that's fine. That's what it is. And let's let's figure out how we complement each other to go achieve our goals. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's talk about the translator role. I heard a podcast yesterday talking about we need the purple people. There's the red people, the blue people. We need the purple people. To, to an extent, I, I agree with the idea. But I, I think that if the business people were more tech savvy, the, te the tech people were more business savvy, did we that you could solve it with the with the people that you have. Um, I think like bringing in more people to orchestrate a conversation um, it just, you know, probably adds complexity. So I think I think that we need to get a tighter integration between tech and business. But I think it's um, I think it's about each each uh, person upskilling uh, to be able to have more of a conversation, to have fluency. And, and there's a great book on this topic, by the way, I'll throw out um, digital. Let's see. It's by uh, Sadal Neely. Digital fluency, I think it's called digital something. I'll think of it. Um, but she talks about why you don't need to know how to code, but you need to be able to be 30% conversant in a foreign language in order to be in a foreign country and be able to survive. So it's that idea of how do business people be 30% conversant in technology? How do technology people be 30% conversant in business so that you could actually have a meaningful conversation and bring your skills to the table? Yeah, it goes back to like a digital mindset, digital mindset. And this is the thing I've been talking about a lot about business literacy. We're already talking about data literacy. Let's go bring the other side, the business literacy. Now, something I want to go touch on is you were 30 years at M&T Bank and you ended up like you were the first, right? The the first CDO. You, you've been 30 years in this area of data and in the financial services. How have you seen the changes in in the cultural changes specifically in this data space for the last 30 years. I would, I would love to tap into your brain and like kind of see what has happened. What, what have you seen over 30 years? Yeah. So, um, so I, just a little background. So I was, I was hired into m and um, We had a very visionary CEO, Bob Wilmers. Uh, he's fun to Google, a real character. Um, and M&T has been an incredible success story as a regional bank. Um, and so he hired a bunch of MBAs, you know, from different schools to come to Buffalo of all places, you know, people, a place that like people wouldn't think to come. I didn't think to come. Now we have a family and we're rooting for the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I had a series of roles, but my sort of brand at M&T ended up being, okay, we have a problem. We don't know how to solve this. Somebody needs to figure this out. So we'll give that to her. Uh, because I, I was curious when curious was considered bad. Now it's a corporate virtue. But back in the day, and then people will say, I mean, I'm not like saying anything out of school, um, because I think our culture at the bank was self-aware enough to realize that like that was not considered cool to be curious in the in when I started in my career. But ultimately, we had many different things that came up in you know the past 15 years of my career. Um, where somebody needed to start up a function. So uh, the, some of the things I did, I set up our outsourcing functions. I traveled to India, set up our partnerships uh, abroad. I did our resolution plan, the living will. Um, th so I got involved in a lot in data there. I was in finance. So I had seen data from lots of different perspectives. I understood data. I was always very analytically driven. I think I was one of the first people to order competing on analytics by da Tom Davenport. It's sitting in my office. Um, so, you know, so what happened was, you know, I, or I guess it was around 2015. Um, we didn't have a chief data officer and we, we needed to appoint somebody. I had a lot of business financial kind of data, strong understanding of the business, could make something out of 
you know, could build a function. And so I, I was appointed the chief data officer. It was a fantastic role, the greatest role of my, of my tenure. And um, uh, anyway, so that's, that's how I got into the role. I, I was in that role for five years. And at that time, you know, and at that time in, in the life cycle of the CDO, particularly at banks, there's a huge need to have controls and, and manage risk. And so this was largely a risk function at that time. And so I had to build the foundations and, and um, uh, you know, ensure we had trusted data uh, so that we could rely on our uh, reporting and, and all that kind of stuff. So anybody that works in a bank knows that there's a huge defensive aspect to, to being a CDO at a bank. Um, but, but, you know, certainly that same data can be where you need to understand your customer for BSA AML reasons or for, for regulatory reasons, that same kind of knowledge can be used to understand your customer for uh, marketing purposes and, and customer experience purposes. So we were starting that shift to offense. And I think that's where the, the financial services industry is now, um, you know, making sure you have a good foundation, but then now leveraging that for value. So, so, so a couple of things. One, I see Kara made this great comment. CDO equals a chief problem solver. Yes. And that's <laughs> and, then, and then we have our, our LinkedIn user, which I think it's Mark, who says CDO is a chief problem solver at the end of the day, at, at the end of the, and why is this broken chain? So I think there's also understanding how things work and don't work. And I think uh, it's always about problem solving. So I really like, th th this is, this is the critical thing that, I, sometimes we miss today because a lot of a lot of these data roles are just so focused on the tech. So clear message to everybody is: you need to understand the business, you need to understand the problem, be a chief problem solver. Yes, way to go, Kara. A, a long time. Um, uh, we've uh, we've been through the we've been in the trenches together. We've been in the pool together in, in our careers. So great to great to see you. So, so continuing on the pool analogy, so the, in the financial space, the lifeguards are too overprotective. And in some other areas, the lifeguards are kind of like, you're okay? Or ha, ha. continue this analogy with uh, the pool and the data <laughs> in different industries and lifeguards. and Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you want a lifeguard that wants you to, um, that wants you to learn to swim be happy in the water um, that is is invested in your success to to learn to be a better swimmer um, and not uh, there blowing the whistle with the sunglasses on, leaning back in the chair like, oh, when's this gonna be over? You you want somebody that's like like cheering you on to swim, not standing there like, okay. You, whatever you want a partner not a not a scold not a not a uh, a, a savior you, you want somebody that you know will keep you from drowning but somebody who really wants you to swim um i'm taking this like a little far but <laughs> it's, it's like an attitude it's like an attitude like how do you have a partnership between people who need to enforce rules guardrails um, but how does that partnership lead to a better outcome instead of creating like, di division? Um, and I think we're too invested in, oh, I'm going to enforce this and 
whatever. You need to figure out how you're going to, to Kara's point, problem solve together. I, I like that analogy. And I, I like where we're taking this. To bring this into now the data organization, who is the data lifeguard? Like, is that the governance office with their enablement hat on? Is it something else? Well, I mean, you, you could sort of take the story, whatever. There's the governance people. There's the security people. There's the privacy people. There's the, you know, the engineering people. I mean, you could say there's a lot of lifeguards. Um, uh, so there's a lot of, and, and so I guess when you think about that, um, that makes it hard to swim when you have a lot of people um, watching you swim with a particular lens. Um, and it's like, how do you bring these people together with their different perspectives and valuable perspectives and important perspectives, security, obviously, privacy, obviously, um, but where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts uh, and where these are, you know, I kind of said this before, like, how do you create that team that is going to, um, what's the pool equivalent of getting into the end zone? Um, it's going to, you know, hit the edge of the pool and, and win the race. There you go. I'm trying really hard to think about the analogy. I'm like, what is like the end zone? I don't know. You know, win the hundred meter, you know, or you're going to win. What's the, the end of the, relay the, where you do the, the four different strokes. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying though, about like in our data organizations, I think there are actually to your point, quite a few lifeguards and they're all looking for different things and I think there's actually some really tactical application that we can take from this analogy when we think about our own organizations is that like there's a guy, there's somebody with their whistle in their mouth that is looking for security stuff. And there's somebody with the whistle in their mouth looking for privacy stuff. Same for governance, same for data engineering, same for data architecture, same for information management and knowledge management. All these people have their whistles and some organizations, maybe they're blowing whistles every second. Maybe some organizations, all those lifeguards are looking at each other like, uh, who's going to call the whistle? We don't know, right? Like, so I think there's things that we can learn here about like, how do we streamline our organization to get this lifeguard team working well together and also focused on, you know, helping people get in the pool? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I just, uh, and I, again, now not to just go to the Buffalo Bills and switch into a different context, but um, okay, we're all invested in the bills here in Buffalo, but you know, watching them play, I mean, it, you know, I talked about this winning ugly on a podcast last week, but like they are just, they will do whatever, I mean, any team, but I'm using them as, as an example here. Um, you know, if Josh Allen has to like carry the ball, I mean, if he has to run the ball, he will, he'll like jump over guys. I mean, it's just like, it's ugly. It's, it's like contact sport. It's physical. It's in, intense. It's emotional. And, and I feel like you need that sort of like, we're in the, we're in this together kind of like mentality, not like, Oh, you can't do this because that's a privacy. And I'm not saying that that's what people do, but it's just like, it's, it's how do you bring your lens? How do you bring your expertise in a way that um, it advances the ball advances the whatever the yardage in the pool. Um, it's just being um, it's policing in a different way, being a community police instead of whatever. That's a political statement right there. But that, that, this is a this is a great way. First of all, 
this pool analogy, I think I'm going to give us a round of applause. I think we've done very well with the pool analogy. And I think a takeaway here for everybody is like, you should think about your whole data landscape uh, with the pool and see how you, I'm curious to see what, what people will, will come up with the pool analogy. Um, and then talking about pools and waters and stuff, uh, I just want to shout out for our friend, Mark Kitson, who just uh, sent me a picture. Uh, he's in, uh, in uh, Australia and it's 6 a.m. and he's walking on the beach right now and he's listening to us live right now from it. So that's so cool. Uh, I, like, Hi there. I, I love that. Um, we've had this great aha moment. Like the, there's not a li lifeguard. There's so many different lifeguards. And Stuart, Tim, you just said something which is like, wait, security, privacy, architecture, governance. They're like, uh, something's happening. Who's going to blow the whistle right now? Do something and like, uh, and then that's when actually things don't happen and we're not all coordinated. So I think uh, having... Too many chefs in the kitchen, too many lifeguards, too, is not a good thing. We got to figure out how what this balance is. And um, I really like this uh, pool analogy. You got to keep doing it. Well, da from data lakes to data pools. There you go. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, this is, this is a good segue. We've had a fantastic discussion. Let's go move to our lightning round, which is presented by Data.World, the data catalog for your successful cloud migration. And I'm going to kick it off. So, Allison, first question. Given all the tech improvements, uh, spotlight, on, spotlight on data, is life easier for CDOs today or is it harder? Um, is this, what are the rules of this thing? Is this a yes or no? Or like, like one, a one word answer? Or yes or no, a little context. A little context. Uh, it's, I would say it should be easier. I don't know that it is easier. It should be easier because Technology constraints are no, are, technology is no longer a constraining factor. Um, and it was in, pri in prior eras. Um, it should be easier. Is it easier? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Fair point. That's a good contrast. All right, second question. Uh, you mentioned uh, in our chat today that CDOs are being very self-conscious and they're calling a lot of attention to sort of the gap between the data value that needs to be achieved versus what they think is the data capabilities within the organization. Um, will that change in the next five years? Will they gain their swagger? I think, um, I think we have to redefine what success looks like. Um, and it needs to be much more closely aligned with, I mean, this sounds sort of basic, but more aligned to business success. So I think, um, I think we need to take a lot of, we need to give CDOs a pass on a lot of things and say, you know what, you don't really need to worry about these 10 things over here. I mean, we have to be smart and be selective, obviously, but um, I think success should be defined um, with business success. And it should be more about achieving wins that actually count than um, pleasing everybody and putting out every fire. There's, there's just got to be a better prioritization um, so that CDOs can say, I succeeded because I uh, helped the business in these three important ways. And you know what? I didn't do these 10 things over here. And guess what? I couldn't have done these three things if I worried about the 10. Hmm. And instead of having people say, I didn't do these 10 things over here. And then when they're asked, well, what did you do? Oh, well, I, I did this thing over here. Like, it's just like, it's a mindset shift. People like are, it. it's like a, uh, um, there's a psychological term for this, but like it's, I think the role is it, people 
talk about it's too much about what they haven't done. It's a deficit yeah. mindset. I don't know. This, this is, is a big point. Yeah, this is a big change. I think that is is needed, and there's a lot more. I, there's a lot more thought. I think needs to go into this. Uh, we should have a follow up conversation about this at some point. Um, next question: Who is more important at the data pool, the data lifeguard or the data swim teacher? Oh wow. Um... I guess you'd have to say the lifeguard because like um, unless the swim teacher could act as a lifeguard, whatever. I, I, I hate to give such a trite answer as everybody's the same importance. Um, I guess if I was drowning, I'd want somebody that actually could, could save my life. Um, yeah, but, you know, what? <laughs> I, but you know, they just don't need to save me from going underwater and maybe coughing. They need to save me if I'm drowning. So I think it, everything is like needs to be calibrated to the level of risk. Nope. That, that, I mean, yeah, I if, mean, if you are like drowning, if you are drowning, you don't want somebody to say, hey, kick harder, kick harder. No, you want somebody to actually like throw you and get you out of it, right? So yeah, and you know what? Get me water wings. They're $6.99 on Amazon. Um, I'm, I'll be saved by water wings. I'm not going to be saved by a Patagonia vest. <laughs> uh, I love this analogy. I love it. Um, all right. This is the best episode of analogies, period. I love it. <laughs> all right. Uh, last uh, lightning round question for you. Um, we talked a little bit. You mentioned a couple times data offense kind of versus data defense in terms of some of the use cases. Will data offense really win the day over the next, let's say, 10 years? Or is it going to be data defense just done better? Well, I, could, I could move over into the football school and say defense wins championships, and everybody could have a big fight about that. Um, so <laughs> oh. Honestly, I think that's, that's sector dependent. Um, so, uh, you know, Tom Davenport did a chart about this in an HBR article. You can all Google it. Um, so, you know, I think in, 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 you know, financial services, there's, there's probably equal weight to defense and offense. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can have a lot of wins in offense and one big screw up in defense, one turnover, you're done. So, um, it, so that's, it's contextual to the industry. Um, but I, I think that you can't, so I will contradict myself. You, maybe defense wins championships, but you you, you have to have an you have to have a, a productive offense. And this is a line with what we see. Uh, Shannon has Shannon Moore has a great comment here. It's about managing risk, managing risk, but allow for some risk. So data governance, security, privacy should be the lifeguard there to keep you from drowning, which is reduce the risk, but not remove all the risk, not let you get into water at all. So I think right. that's a great summary. Yep. And I'll bring it up later on. Shannon is going to be our guest next week, live from DGIQ. So really excited for our Shannon. And, and also, I just bring up care again. Like, yes, CDO's report card should be about business results versus fixing the plumbing. Uh, Allison gets it. Yeah, and, and, and that mindset you said, like, oh, I, I, we accomplished these three things, which helped the company and generate revenue here. We didn't do these other 10 things because if I did those 10 things, we would do these other three things. Like, yeah, let's go highlight the, let's go highlight the business results and say, I could, I could fix the plumbing. And some, you got to choose some things at the, uh, sometimes, but I think that's a really great um, way of thinking about it. 
Yeah, I think I think CDOs need to just like there needs to be a mindset shift. Um, CDOs need to make it internally, and organizations need to make it as well. Yep. All right. Uh, takeaways. T T T T T T T T Tim, take us away with takeaways. All right. Sounds like a plan. So um, you really started this off with, hey, there's this data pool. Get in. Swim with the data. Just jump in the pool. Uh, and I think that really kind of sums up the theme of what we talked about today and an analogy that I think was used beautifully. So thank you, Allison, for for walking through this, um, that, you know, there's this huge gulf uh, between sort of the, 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 you know, the progress of data being available versus being able to really use the data to provide value. Um, and you highlighted that folks need to really be enabled to get their hands dirty, play in the water, get smarter and evolve. The pool ends up working like a great analogy here because there's lifeguards, there's lanes, you have a place to test and experiment that's controlled. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a place where different people can all get together and, and, and collaborate, right? Um, but one of the challenges that you mentioned is that the industry kind of has this complex that, you know, we don't have enough and we need more and uh, we're just never going to, we can never do good enough. We're constantly staring at the gap versus what we've accomplished and the progress that we're making. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we make these statements that are ambitious to the point of not making sense. Like we have to train every single person in the organization on data or every single person in the data needs to be able to leverage or in the organization needs to be able to leverage the data. Um, and uh, the truth is, is that we probably should not be boiling the ocean. We should be defining success in a much smarter and incremental way. Uh, and you said dog paddle is okay. Um, and so I really want to embrace that. Um, and we talked about how data products is a very interesting concept, maybe can help in all of this. It's an interesting way to scale. It's a process and system. It's a proven idea from software. But it's very easy, and our data industry has a tendency to do this, to get excited about silver bullets. Um, and so just because data products, Eureka, it's not necessarily going to be the answer to all our prayers here. There's a ton of work uh, implied by data products. Uh, and if we really want to have, as you said, these commercially viable data products, we've got a, quite a bit of work to do. We've got a, quite a bit of, um, of things to define um, and, uh, and maybe there's some stuff that we're not really thinking about yet. Maybe our current idea around data products is more like the oil lamp. Uh, and we still got our uh, combustion engine that we've got to invent here that, uh, that we haven't quite figured out yet. So opportunity there, but maybe some patience required. Mm -hmm. Juan, what about you? What about your big takeaways? So, so following up on this, what needs to change? I, I'm not keeping this analogy. We need to feel comfortable walking in our sw swimming suit, jump in the pool and just swim without being judged and don't judge other people like that. I think that's, and so again, this is cultural. Everything we've discussed here, technology is, is, is there. I mean, we don't, it's not a big issue right now. It's a cultural side. Not, it's not, we don't have to be self-conscious. We need to have more freedom to try new things and yeah, screw up and try again. So it's like this player coach mentality. And we want to be part of a team, not this team and that team and these teams talking like this is a, this is a team here all together and goes into the, the, the mindset. You brought up this book, the digital mindset. You need to have 30 percent. You need to be 30 percent fluent in foreign language to be able to have meaningful conversations in that country. So business people need to be more tech savvy. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing this with with data literacy, but not everybody needs to go do that. But what we need is also that business literacy. The tech people need to be more business savvy. Um, and then I, I think seeing uh, your 30 years of experience, right, going through uh, being an MNT bank, the changes you've seen, I think the takeaway there is 
chief problem solver. You are there to go solve problems. Uh, and I think that that's the most important thing. I think I, I, that's credit to Kara who's, who brought that up right there. So CDO is really the chief problem solver. And then finally, we want the, these lifeguards are really people who should be cheering you to go swim, right? They're a partner who wants you to succeed, not just to control you and not just to scold you and keep you from drowning, but let you swim and actually swim better, get better at it. The, and I think one of the issues is that we just have so many different lifeguards, different people are lifeguards. You have the security lifeguard, the privacy lifeguard, the architecture, the governance lifeguards. And but we need to figure, we need to realize that we're all in this together, like really community. I think this is where we really need to go figure it out. Like, and, and as you brought up in the in, in the lightning round, it depends on industry too. Mm -hmm. All right, Allison, how did we do on takeaways? Anything we missed? Well, I, as I was like thinking about the pools, I was thinking you can learn to swim in an above ground pool. You don't need it in an infinity pool. Although I have to say I'm dying to swim in that infinity pool in Sicily in the White Lotus. <laughs> There's a lot of different pools and uh, to go swim, so for sure. All right, Allison, back to you. Some advice. So three questions. One, what's your advice about data about life broad? Second, who should we invite next? And third, what are the resources do you follow that you follow? Let's see. Advice. Well. As probably a more senior person in life than, than uh, many of you uh, listening to this, um, I would say like what what has worked for me or what what I would would what I would do differently. Um, I think what I appreciate at this stage of my life is how um, how important re relationships are, and and you can translate this all to business, to life, to both. Um, relationships are everything in, in life and in work. Um, it, it's, in, and, you know, I have gone through this industry having three kids and raising three kids and now they're millennials and Gen Z's. Um, and it, that was very difficult for women in the era that I did that. It's not easy today. Um, but it's, hopefully it's getting better. Um, but I think, um, you know, when I look at where I am in my career, like the relationships that I made 20 years ago are coming back to me in new ways. And there was somebody that I was involved in outsourcing with who now recommended me to be on an advisory board for a really interesting startup. So I think it's really important to um, to pay it forward, to give before you get um, and to really nurture a, a strong network in a in a, again, these words like authentic, like they've kind of lost meaning at this point, but in a, in a real way. Um, and if you do that and you kind of have your, your cohort of, of people that you kind of go through life with and check in on every so often, like that will, that will get you through life and will, will help you uh, both in work and in life. So I, I think it's really, really so much just comes down to relationships. Um, I guess that's kind of basic, but I say that I say this having lived more years on the on the planet. Um, By the way, that was beautiful. That was beautifully said. That yeah. thank you for um, sharing that. That's very beautiful. And um, I think um, things that you know, when I look back on my life, I spent way too much time worrying about things or questioning whether I was making the right choice. I would have. I would completely not waste that energy. Um, I would have much more trust in my decisions. Um, so I hope that anybody who is at a different phase in their life um, doesn't agonize over stuff, worry so much. Um, just, just 
have faith that like if you think it's right to just kind of go for it um and i'd say a, a, an important thing that my husband greg and i did um is we really live below our means um and that gave us a lot of optionality uh in our lives to um make cho different choices and we were never even though i worked we both worked for the same companies for a long time um we never had to and um i just would encourage people to sort of think about that um, as a way to buy yourself mental health and freedom uh, to pursue the things that you want. Worked for me. I'm not saying that's what other people have to do. Thank you. Again, very beautiful advice. Really, really appreciate that. And we're seeing great comments there. Uh, second question, who, who should we invite next? I'm at a really, uh, well, certainly there are people listening to the show that uh, I think you should invite. Um, and I, I want to mention a person that I met uh, in Silicon Valley in September. Uh, I don't know if Cassie Kozrakoff has been on your show. She's the chief decision scientist at Google. Um, she moderated a panel at a conference that I was at. I moderated the CDO panel. She moderated the data science panel. We had a fascinating conversation. She, um, do you know Cassie? I do not. She has. Um, so first of all, I would encourage. So when you ask, like, who do I follow? I follow her. Um, she's got a YouTube channel. She's very active on LinkedIn. Um, she's just really, really brilliant and um, a go-to person. Uh, so and, and real, a really interesting person, like outside of data as well. Uh, so Cassie would be somebody I would suggest. Awesome. Right. And then finally, what, what what resources do you follow? What books or podcasts or people, uh, conferences and stuff? Um, yeah, I think for conferences, um, you know, the MIT conference, uh, my uh, the guy that runs the Carnegie Mellon program that I'm involved in calls it Coachella for CDOs. Maybe other people call it that. Certainly that's a good one in terms of uh, just uh, if you're a CDO, that, that's a good conference to go to. Um, we went to Gartner, both of us, uh, this year. I hadn't been to that before. I think something like that is a good overall, um, that Forrester or, or there are other ones, I'm sure, where you can really just kind of meet all the vendors, get up to speed on everything that's happening. So those kinds of things are good. And I, I really... Um, and, and then there are sector specific things. So I went to a lot of financial services conferences. Um, I would say that when you do the, when you go to these conferences, um, meeting people, building relationships, um, there are CDOs from financial services that I am still in contact with and that are important in my life. Um, so I'd say that, um, you know, also select things that are sector specific or maybe function specific. And then, um, I would also love to go to the MIT Sports Analytics Conference. I think that would be really fun. And I think that we shouldn't just think of conferences in terms of our careers. Uh, a conference, so to speak, that I'm dying to go to is the Chelsea Flower Show in London. So maybe 2023 will be my year. All right. Nice. Well, Allison, this was a phenomenal conversation. Uh, but before we say goodbye here, just a quick reminder, uh, next week, Tim and I are going to be live at DGIQ in Washington, D.C., the Data Governance and Information Quality Data Diversity Conference, and we are going to have a live show. Our guests are going to be Anthony Algman and Shannon Moore, who was commenting over here, Honest No BS Data Governance. That's going to be our topic because we're at a data governance uh, conference, and it's, we have set up 
cocktails for everybody. So at the conference, when you come into the room, we're going to be giving everybody the honest, no BS, old fashioned. So it's going to be such a cool event. So please be able to look at us. If you're in DC, let us know. We're also going to have a happy hour afterwards. So that's going to be next week. Uh, we're also scheduling for 2023. We already have a lot of uh, guests come up, uh, ready for that. But please reach out to us. What are the topics that you're interested in that we should be talking more? Who would who you like us to, to invite? I'll tell you that we're kicking off 2023. Uh, I think it's January 11th with Bill Inman, the father of data warehouses. I actually had the amazing pleasure to have breakfast with him this, this Saturday. Uh, I'm so excited for that. Um, and with that, Allison... Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this phenomenal conversation. We uh, really did we did fantastic with this uh, pool analogy. <laughs> I'm so happy about it, and we did we did so much. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Cheers, Allison. Bye, cheers. This is catalog and cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Cataloging Cocktails fan base.